You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This Ministry 127 podcast is on the Helpful Baptist Deacon with Brother Dave McCollum. Dave McCollum works as a network administrator at Edwards Air Force Base. He and his family have been members of Lancaster Baptist Church since 1990, and he has served as a deacon for 17 years. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read there very briefly, and then we'll jump right into our session. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Here the Word of God says, In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timion, and Paramenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom, when they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed and laid their hands on them, and the, word, uh, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Let's have a word of prayer real quick. Father, I pray, God, that you be with us this morning. I pray, God, that you be with these men. And I thank you, God, for their faithfulness and service to you and their local churches and serving their pastor and their people, Lord, and uh, desiring to meet their needs. And, Father, I pray, God, that you'd bless this uh, session this morning, Father, that it would be an encouragement to these men, a challenge to these men, as it has been to me in the preparation of it. And, Lord, we thank you for it all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If I were to entitle the first seven verses here in the book of Acts, chapter number six, I would simply entitle it this, help, okay, because that's exactly what they were saying. The widows were being neglected, the widows were needing help. The Grecians uh, that were uh, part of uh, overseeing the needs of these widows and so forth, they were needing help. The, the apostles, they were crying out for help because the church was advancing tremendously. Uh, as a matter of fact, in verse number one there, the first thing it says, in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, the church was going forth greatly. The, the men of God, the apostles, were preaching the word of God. They were spending time in prayer and seeking God's face and God's direction for the church there at Jerusalem. And they were in the Word of God and preaching the Word of God and discipling people. And because of that, the church was growing tremendously. Not only numerically, but spiritually. They were becoming strong and and discipled and founded in the Word of God. But then this problem arose. And the cry of help went out. And the solution for the cry is found in verse 3. Verse 3 says this, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among yourselves seven men, 
of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And so the apostles were saying, listen, we want you to look among your church membership, and we want you to choose out seven men uh, of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, that can take care of this business so we the preachers, we the pastors, can attend to the Word of God, so that we can continue preaching the Word of God, so we can continue on our knees in prayer, seeking God's direction and leadership in this particular church. And what a wonderful opportunity arose out of this need, the deacon ministry as we know it today. And there's a statement here in your notes that I passed out that I'd I'd like to point out to you. And I'd like for us to consider and ponder this statement for just a moment. The statement simply says this. Anytime a person is placed in a position of performance, they have the potential to either help or hinder the process. Now read it again. Anytime a person is placed in a position of performance, they have the potential to either help or hinder the process. When the apostles took these seven men and they put them in a position of performance, the performance being meeting the needs of the people here in the church and meeting the needs of the pastors, if you will, by allowing them to spend time in the Word of God in prayer like they needed, then they were placing these men in a position of performance, realizing this, that these men had the capability of either helping or hindering the process. Now, I'd like you to just let that sink in for just a minute. When God allowed you and when your church allowed you, when your pastor allowed you to be a deacon or a servant in a church, whatever capacity you happen to serve in, teaching Sunday school class, working in usher ministry, whatever it might be, when he allowed you to be placed in a position of performance, you had a job to perform, then he was taking a chance on you and me. Okay. He was hoping that we would be there to help and not hinder the process. And I'd like for us to just let that sink in this morning. And it's obvious that these seven men were helpful deacons. There's no doubt about it because if we look in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, The word of God says, and the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And I love that, because when the men of God, when these seven men got involved in meeting the needs of the people of the church, then the pastors were able to spend time in the word of God in prayer, and therefore the church increased. People were getting saved. I like the word of God here, the words that used when it said they made disciples, okay? Not just seeing people saved, okay, but they were able to make disciples. The men of God, the pastors, the preachers, the apostles were able to spend time with the people in the word of God to get them grounded. Not just seeing people saved, but seeing them baptized, seeing them learning the word of God and families getting grounded in the word of God and helping them cast off old things and all things are become new. And just seeing a wonderful work take place there because the men were willing to step in and to do a work. And I thank God that he's allowed me to be a part of the deacon ministry. And as I thought about this, and I thought about the fact that it was very obvious that these seven men were helpful Baptist deacons, which is the title of our session this morning, I asked myself this, what is a helpful Baptist deacon? I mean, what, what is a helpful Baptist deacon? What do they do? What makes them helpful rather than hindering the process? What makes them to the point where they're helping the process. 
of reaching people for Christ and seeing folks discipled and seeing the church grow. And first of all, I saw the helpful Baptist deacon. The helpful deacon is letter H. First of all, humble. Humble. You know, there's no room, and I, there's no room in the deacon ministry, or any ministry for that matter, for a I don't do windows mentality. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, a, a deacon in the church, especially a deacon in the church, should be willing to do whatever needs to be done so that the pastor can go on and do his job. And, uh, and these two men back here that are deacons in our church, and they, they could tell you that you know, anything from scrubbing toilets to standing up and teaching a class or a session or whatever, whatever we need to do to accomplish the work here at Lancaster Baptist Church and to come alongside our pastor <coughs> excuse me, and meet his needs, that we need to be willing to do that. And so the, hum, uh, the helpful Baptist deacon is humble. And I've got a couple of portions of Scripture I want to look at very quickly here. Very similar portions of Scripture. And we're going to point some of the things out. But basically I'm going to read them first and then we'll comment on them. First of all, James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. It says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore unto God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And then First Peter chapter 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And I just want us to focus in on three things that are that uh, are common in both of these portions of Scripture. It's amazing to me as I began to study this. First of all, the potential of haughtiness. The potential of haughtiness or pride. The potential of haughtiness is this. First of all, God's resistance. God's resistance. In both of these passages, it says that God resisteth the proud. Now, I know I had read that many times before. But it really didn't settle in with me until I started preparing this. God resisteth the proud. It didn't just say God doesn't assist the proud. It says God actually resists the proud. So men, what that means to me is that this thing of humility needs to be first place in my life. Being humble before God and humble before men. I don't want God resisting my efforts. I don't want God resisting the efforts of my church because of me. And so this thing of humility, the potential of haughtiness is God's resistance. It's also an open door for the devil. Because in both of these passages, it refers to the devil. First passage, it says that we should resist the devil. Second passage, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And it's an open door for the devil. Listen, guys. Pride is an open door that the devil will very gladly stick his foot in if you'll let him. And we only have to open it up just a crack. And he's there. 
And as I think of the 20 years in our ministry, and I think of, of, of families that, that have fallen to the wayside or men that have fallen to the wayside, and every time you can point back to this little crack in the door called pride. Okay. So, man, guard your hearts with that. In these verses, we see the potential of haughtiness. We also see <coughs> the position of humility. The p- position of humility. These verses simply put it this way. Draw nigh to God. That's the position of humility. When you're walking with God, when you're close to God, then humility is not something you muster up, okay? Uh, Humility is not something that you can read a book about and do, okay? Humility comes the closer you are to God. And fellas, listen, the best thing that we can do for our church, the best thing that we can do for our pastor, if we want to be a helpful servant in the church, is to walk with God. I remember several years ago when we first moved out to California. I was in the military, and the military moved me out here. And, and uh, I grew up in northwest Alabama. We have hills there, but we don't have a lot of mountains, okay? And I'll never forget as we started coming further west, and I believe we were getting toward Arizona or so forth, and I remember looking off in the distance, and I remember seeing a, a, a huge mountain in the distance. And I told my wife, I said, man, that's a pretty big hill over there, you know? <laughs> And then as we got closer and closer, I said, wow, that's a really big hill over there. You know? And then as we got right at the foot of that mountain, I'll never forget the feeling that came over me. I felt so small, <laughs> so small and so insignificant. And guys, listen to me. The closer you get to God, the smaller you get. Amen. The closer I get to God, the smaller I get. And it even seems kind of funny t- trying to teach about humility. Because you can't, it's not something we do, but it's something we become as we get closer to God. So, man, I would challenge you to the position of humility is so very important. And then the practice of humility, the practice of humility. This is the practical side of it. The Word of God says here, for instance, submit yourselves, humble yourselves. That's the practice of humility. That's the practical side of humility. That's the preferring others before ourselves part of humility. Okay? Now, here's the danger. We can be performing the practical part of humility, you know, opening the doors for people, trying to be a blessing to people, carrying food to people, doing all the, the practical side of humility. Okay? But if we're not positionally close to God, then that just becomes a show. Okay. As a matter of fact, I, I wrote this down just before I came over here. The practice of humility without the position of humility elevates the potential for haughtiness. In other words, practicing humility of our own selves, mustering up of our own selves, just, just becomes a show if we don't have the position of humility, if we're not close to God. Okay. And fellas, I've seen that destroy people too. And we need to be careful of that. So first of all, the helpful deacon is letter H, humble. Letter H, humble. Secondly, the helpful deacon is edifying. Letter E, edifying. You see, we're in the building process. As a church, I'm talking. As your, your church and my church. Your pastor and my pastor. You men and me. We're in the building process. And edifying simply means building up or to build something up. And as you look across this campus, and sometimes I think, you know, 
We've always been a building process here yeah, with buildings. and we, I mean, literally, I've been here for 20 years, and we've never uh, not been in a building ministry since, uh, since I've been here. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about building people. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. And as a deacon, we, can be, we should be very involved in the edifying of God's people and the building of God's people. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says it this way. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. When it says edify one another, I think of this as deacons. Now, we've got 33 deacons in our church, and I thank God for these men. These men edify me. I, I try to edify them. We try to encourage one another and build one another up and help one another out. And what a blessing that is. And I would, I would challenge you, I, however many deacons you have in your church, and, and it's not necessarily just the deacons, the other men in your, your church who serve faith, God faithfully, the staff in your church, be edifying factor in their lives. And then Romans fourteen nineteen says this, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. And when I think about one may edify another, I think about a, a different scope. Not just those close around you, but stepping out of your comfort zone and edifying those people in the church that maybe are visitors or new members that have just come into your church and taking the time. And, and I know this. Sometimes uh, I watch our church sometimes. And it, it is true. Birds of a feather flock together, right? I mean, it really is. And, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I, we've got a lot of police officers in our church. And I notice after church, they'll all be hanging out together. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, there, there isn't. I notice sometimes even the deacons will kind of tend to gather over in a corner and we'll talk to each other a little bit about something that we're dealing with. But listen, guys, we need to be willing to edify those new folks in. Those, those, I, what, what I love to do is I love to walk around the auditorium and just before a service and just kind of walk around and just look at people. Sometimes I'll see maybe one of my Sunday school kids. I teach fifth and sixth graders Sunday school. Sometimes I'll see one of them maybe sitting over in a corner and you know, I, I could tell something's not right, you know, and I just want to go over and edify them. Just say, hey, how's it going? You know, how's your week going? Or some widow in the church or some other elderly, elderly person in the church and just seek opportunities to edify. If you want to be a helpful Baptist deacon, then this thing of humility and this thing of edifying has to become real in our lives. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. Boy, it's amazing to me. The older I get, I turned 50 this year. I'm getting old. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Who said that? One, one of the young guys, obviously. No, no, no. I turned 50 this year. But the older I get, the more I realize how important this thing of edification is. How, how just one word to somebody in a hallway. I, I, hey, I've had it come to me. Okay, I've been going down a hallway or been pondering something, maybe at work, maybe in my family life, whatever, and just concerned about something, walking in that uh, kind of just zoned out. You know where you know you've been there, and then all of a sudden, some brother just comes along, puts his arm on your shoulder, or just says some word of encouragement. And man, why don't we just determine, hey, let's be that person, okay, in our churches. Let's encourage and edify our people. I taught a lesson to our kids several long, long time ago, and the title of it was. Wrecking balls or concrete walls. And the whole concept was this. Our words are either wrecking balls, tearing things down, or they're concrete walls, building people up. Okay? 
And, and, and fellas, we need to have some concrete walls. We need to build some people up and strengthen some people and edify some people with the words that we have. So the helpful deacon is not only humble, not only edifying, but letter L, also, they're loyal. Loyal. Man, there's so many wonderful examples of loyalty in the Word of God. But this, ha- this has got to be one of my favorites. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah in heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, and by the way, Elisha was Elijah's servant. You know what a deacon is? Is a what? Servant. Okay. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. I love that. And then the next phrase, somebody read that with me together. So they went down to Bethel. I love that. So they went down to Bethel. I love that. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as I so liveth, I will not leave thee. Read it with me again. So they came to Jericho. I love that. They. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha, and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Everybody read that last phrase with me. And they too went on. Listen, may it be said of you and your pastor that they too went on. You know what I mean by that? I mean, if everybody else quits, if everybody else forsakes the Lord and forsakes the church and forsakes and turns their back on your pastor, let, it, let, let this be true of us. And they, too, went on. And I want to encourage you with that. Uh, a, a helpful Baptist deacon is going to be loyal. He's going to be loyal to his pastor and loyal to his church family. And Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, we're all probably familiar with it, but it says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. May we be all loyal servants of God in our local churches. So the helpful Baptist deacon is humble, is edifying, is loyal, and then letter P is a peacemaker. A peacemaker. First of all, I want to mention proxy peacemaking, what I, call, what I call proxy peacemaking. What I mean by that is sometimes in the church, fellas, there's going to be people that get, southern terms, out of whack, <laughs> okay? They get out of whack with one another, okay? And there's going to be families that maybe have problems with other families, children in the families with problems with other things. And sometimes your pastor will call you in to help out with some of those things, okay? I, I've been called in in situations like that. And we need to be willing to step in and be peacemakers within our church. As a matter of fact, let me go beyond that. We need to just be aware of what's going on in the church so that we can avoid some of those situations even as a peacemaker. When we hear a little bit about 
this family and this family, maybe this lady and this lady had some words, or this man and this man, or this kid got in a fight with this kid at the school or whatever. There ought to be somebody other than the pastor that's willing to step in and say, hey, you know, that wasn't really such a big deal, you know. And be a peacemaker, a proxy peacemaking. Matthew 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. But really what I want to focus in on in this area of peacemaking is here. Personal peacemaking. Personal peacemaking. That's you and that's me. We want to make sure that our hearts are right and our lives are right with the other men and people in the church and with our pastor and with the Lord. And I want to talk about this just for a moment. First of all, personal peacemaking. As the offender, Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Boy, I think it's a shame when you go into a church, and, and maybe even among the deacons, you know, one deacon in his family sitting on this side of the church, another deacon in his family sitting on this side of the church because something 20 years ago happened between their families. Okay, That's a sad thing. That's a sad commentary. And the Bible, and guys, I want to challenge you, personal peacemaking, okay? If you know that you've done something that has offended someone else, even if you feel like, even if, even if it was unintentional, even if you feel like, you know, he shouldn't have taken that so that way, you know. Still, go to that brother and make it right. Okay, Be a personal peacemaker, okay. If you're the offender, go to that brother. But if you are offended, Matthew 18, 15, a very familiar verse. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. And I think that key there is to... You and him alone. Okay. If somebody has offended you, they may be in the same boat. They may not even know that they offended you. Okay. Deal with it. Be a peacemaker. Okay. Because we cannot... Listen, God doesn't want any schisms in the church. He doesn't want any divisions in the church. He want, and we should be on the front lines of that thing. Okay. Not only with the other church members and trying to help them make peace with one another if an issue comes up, but in our personal lives. Uh, fellas, let me say this real quick on, on this subject. Not only guard your heart, but guard your wife's hearts as well. Our wives have such tender hearts. And sometimes their feelings can get really hurt in the ministry. And every man here knows that in the ministry, sometimes you get hurt. You try to help people that don't want to be helped sometimes. And you try to help people that are ungrateful. And even sometimes you have people that are demanding you know, well, you're a deacon. You're supposed to do this. Get over to my house and fix this or fix that or whatever the case might be. And sometimes as men, we, we can kind of handle those things. But sometimes our wives, with the tender, gentle hearts that God's given them, they, they can be hurt. We need to guard their hearts in this thing of peacemaking as well. You know, honey, they really didn't mean that. You know, we, we have to give them room to grow, you know, and be a peacemaker even in the home in those areas. So the helpful Baptist deacon is humble, is edifying, is loyal, is a peacemaker, and then letter F is faithful. Faithful. Proverbs 25.13 says, As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, 
so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. You know what I want to do for my pastor more than anything else? I want to refresh his soul. Yeah. I want to refresh his soul. And to do that, the Bible says, we need to be faithful about the things that we're, we're doing. I don't want my pastor ever to say, hey, Brother McCollum, you know, this situation needs to be taken care of, or can you take care of this? And once he tells me that, he should never have to wonder whether it's going to be done or not. <laughs> a funny thing happened. Just, just prior to the leadership conference, pastor had given me uh, this little uh, bronze lion that a missionary had given to him. And he says, hey, I want you to put this in our missionary display case. And for the life of me, I could not find out who had the key to this case. I mean, it was locked. And, and I, I mean, I was emailing staff here and there and everywhere and trying to figure out. And you know what? I, it, this is going to sound strange to you, but I lost sleep over that. I mean, it bugged me that I couldn't immediately do what my pastor asked me to do, you know. And, and, but finally, this, you know, about Monday or so, or, two, or Thursday of last week, actually, I was able to get that thing in there, and boy, I slept so good that night. <laughs> but, but it's funny, you know. It's funny, but it's, it's real to me. I, I mean, I want to be re- refreshing to my pastor. I, I want to be faithful to him. I, I want to accomplish the things that, that he has placed in my care to accomplish. The converse of that was found in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 19. It says, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. (laughs) Boy, I don't want to be a broken tooth to my pastor. (laughs) I don't want to be a foot out of joint to my pastor, okay? I want to be a faithful man of God. You see, we're not here to cause problems, but to resolve problems. I mean, these deacons in Acts chapter 6, when they put them in those positions of performance, as we mentioned a moment ago, hey, they were put there not to be a hindrance to the process, but to be a help to the process. They were put there to be a blessing to their pastors. Two quick things concerning faithfulness. First of all, some do, two very important abilities. First, availability. Availability. That's your presence. That's being in your place. Just being available. Okay? I, I've told my pastor, you know, you call me anytime, 24 hours a day. I said, if it is humanly possible... <laughs> I'll be there. Now, sometimes it's not humanly possible, okay? But if it's humanly possible, I, I'm going to be there. I want to be available. I think of things like um, uh, many of the deacons, uh, are, we, have, we count the offering, okay? Uh, if we're scheduled for the count of the offering, then we need to be there. We need to be in our place, okay? Uh, we've got a front door ministry, we call it, at our church. And Pastor Chapel, after each service, he's at the front door shaking hands as people depart. And many times people will come up to him at the front door with a need, you know, uh, whether it be a financial need, whether it be just a need for somebody to pray with, whatever it might be. And, and, and we have deacons after every service that, that man that front door. And boy, if we're supposed to be there, we need to be in our place because people have real needs and, uh, and we want to be there to help them, okay, and be a blessing in that way. Uh, I think about altar call. Our deacons and their wives uh, during invitation time, we're supposed to go forward and stand at the front to, to minister and to counsel with people. And, and we need to be in our place. You know, a pastor, pastor should never have to. It's happened sometimes because sometimes we just get overloaded with people coming forward. You know, you can't help that. But I never want my pastor to have somebody come forward that needs to be saved. And he's looking around for somebody to lead him to the Lord and he, there's nobody there. Okay. So we just need to be in our place, to be faithful. Availability, and then dependability. Dependability. 
That's the performance. That's not being in your place, but it's being your best. Being your best. And we touched on that just a minute ago. But just doing your very best at whatever your pastor has asked you to do. You know, anything that's worth doing for God is worth doing in an excellent way. And my pastor taught me that. (laughs) I didn't always feel that way. I'll be honest with you. But my pastor told me, hey, it doesn't matter if it's picking up uh, trash on the street or cleaning toilets or whatever you're doing. If you're going to do it, do it good. Do it in an excellent way. And whatever your pastor has assigned you, every church is different. Every pastor's needs are different. Every church's needs are different. And, but whatever task your pastor gives you to do, just do it in an excellent way. Don't let him ever go to bed at night thinking, I wonder if that got done. I wonder if that got done right. Okay. Do it like he would do it. Okay. So being faithful, dependability, availability. I've got a little bit of time here. I, I came across, I was reading this book, Christ in the Camp, and I came across something that just gave me a kick, and I just wanted to share this with you guys. I, I love this. Uh, how many of you have heard of Stonewall Jackson? Civil War era, Stonewall Jackson. He was actually a deacon in his church. And, and, and I love this little, little and I, it's not a lot of reading, but I, I thought you guys would get a kick out of this. It says, he was a deacon, speaking of Stonewall Jackson, not an elder as has been frequently asserted in the church, and was untiring in the discharge of all the duties of that position. On one occasion, he went at the appointed hour to attend a deacon's meeting, at which there, by the way, we ought to be at deacon's meeting when we're supposed to be there too, okay? And you'll find out here, he he thought that too, okay? So uh, on one occasion, he went at the appointed hour to attend a deacon's meeting, at which there was important business to be transacted, And after waiting five minutes, just five minutes for several absentees, pacing back and forth, watch in hand, he asked to be excused for a while and darted off to the residence of one of them. Ringing the doorbell violently, the gentleman came out and Jackson accosted him with, Mr. So-and-so, it is eight minutes after eight o'clock, the hour appointed for the meeting. And he said, yes, Major, I'm aware of that, but I didn't have time to go out tonight. Didn't have time, he replied. Uh, he replied to the deacon. He said, why, sir, I should not suppose that you had time for anything else. Did we not set this hour for the service of the church? How then can you put aside your obligations in the matter? With this, he abruptly started back to the meeting, and his brother deacon felt so keenly his rebuke that he immediately followed. <laughs> I like that. Those were some men. This, this was a man. That's what I'm talking about. And that talks a lot about him in there. But here's the thing. He knew he needed to be faithful. There's a lot of things I can't be. You know, there's a lot of things I can't do. But, but I can be faithful. And you can be faithful. When you're supposed to be in your place and doing your work, be faithful at the work of God. Joshua 11:15. I love what it says here about Joshua. Joshua, what was his relationship to Moses? He was the what? Servant of Moses, right? He was a servant of Moses. Look at what it says of him in Joshua eleven fifteen. It says, As the Lord commanded Moses, the man of God, his, his servant, so did Moses command Joshua. And so did Joshua. I like this. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. He left nothing undone that the Lord commanded Moses. Hey, as your pastor seeks the direction of God and seeks the will of God and uh, the, he may come up to you sometime and say hey you know I believe that the Lord wants us to do this could you help me with this 
And may it be said of you and me exactly what it was said of Joshua here. And he left nothing undone. May we take care of it. May we be, we be faithful to the work of God. So we see the helpful deacon is humble, edifying, loyal, a peacemaker, faithful. And letter U, unified, unified. I thank God for the deacons of Lancaster Baptist Church. I haven't always felt of deacons the way I feel now. <laughs> okay? When I first got saved, I didn't have a very good uh, uh, examples, I guess you'd say. But I came to Lancaster Baptist Church, and after three years being here, I was asked to be a deacon. And, and I can honestly say, after 17 years of being a deacon here, 17 years of uh, committee meetings, 17 years of deacons meetings, 17 years of dealing with all kinds of situations and difficulties and building programs and all of that, I have never heard one cross word between our deacons. Not one time. It's an amazing, yeah, wow. I mean, in a Baptist church, you get two people together and it's hard to get them to agree on. I mean, and, and here's the thing. It's not because we're, we're great guys, you know. And it doesn't happen for any group or any people because they're great guys. Okay, it, this unified spirit can only come about in two ways, and we see it here in our notes. First of all, individuals walking in the spirit walk united. Individuals, as you and I walk in the spirit, then we will walk united together. Okay, Ephesians chapter four verses one through four says, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called." with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, men, it's so very vital that we're right with God, that we're walking in the Spirit, because when you take one man, two men, three men, 500 men, 1,000 men, whatever the number is, and if they're all individually walking with the Spirit of God, there's no division in the Spirit of God. They're going to walk united. It's just going to happen, okay? But the converse of that is true also. If you've got one, two, hundred, five hundred, twelve hundred, whatever men, and just one of them gets in the flesh a little bit, gets a little bit carnal, gets a little bit selfish, why didn't Pastor ask me to do that instead of him? Then you've got problems. There's no unity there. So, to be unified, we have to, as individuals, walk in the Spirit. But also, as individuals, this unity comes by walking by the same book. Amen. Okay? Individuals walking by the same book walk united. Philippians 3.16 says this, Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. <clears throat> I was in the military for many years, and to this day, if I see a military march, a military parade, it just puts chills up my spine. I just love it. I'm not talking about just like a Macy's Day parade type thing. I'm talking about completely military. The military parades where they march around the parade field, and man, they're in perfect unity. Left foot, right foot, going down, eyes right, salute. I mean, that just sends the music, and all of it just sends chills up my spine. There's such an incredible unity there. Every step the same. Every direction the same. But you know how that happens? When we first got to boot camp, 
It was an awful mess. I mean, you should have saw us. I mean, people going everywhere, you know, every direction. We had one guy from Jersey, Joyzy. We called him Joyzy, okay, through, through boot camp. And this kid was only about five foot two, and he wore like size 14 shoes, okay. And he could not march for anything. I mean, he tr- literally tripped over his own feet. But first, they, they gave us a manual, and, and we had to study that manual. They wanted us, our steps to be 30 inches. They wanted us to start out with our left foot. They wanted us so many spaced apart this way, spaced apart that way. And because of, we were all reading the same manual, we knew, all knew exactly what we were supposed to do. And then they had a cadence caller, a guy that, you know, left, 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 right, left, you know, a guy that called the cadence. And when we studied the book and we knew our position, and when we listened to the cadence caller, that unity came about. And you had all those troops going in the right direction. God's given us a manual, the Bible, the Word of God. And He's given us the Holy Spirit of God that sets the pace. And men, as long as we're true to the Word of God and in the Word of God, and as long as we're yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, then this unity will come about, not only among the deacons, but within our church as a whole. So individual attention, individual attention produces a unified action. Individual attention to the Holy Spirit of God and to the Word of God produces a unified action within the church. Psalm 133.1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And fellas, listen, I, I can honestly say, it is a good and pleasant thing to serve the Lord here in our church. The unity is just an incredible thing. So we see the helpful deacon is humble, edifying, loyal, a peacemaker, faithful, unified, and also, lastly, letter L, a leader, a leader. There's a great definition or example of leadership in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15. And I, I love this verse. This exemplifies servant leadership. It says, and I will gladly, or will very gladly, spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. We as deacons, we as men in the church, ought to be willing to just be spent for our people. Now, I tell you, there's been some days... Where, where I felt spent, you know. But there's been other days where I could have done a lot more and I could have served a lot better, okay. And as we develop these capacities, the Lord develops us as leaders within the church. We looked at Joshua a moment ago, but in Joshua 3 and verse 7, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I... As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 15 talks about Elisha, another servant of God. And when the sons of the prophets which were in view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And then we see here in Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, a man named Stephen, a deacon. The Bible says, And Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. You see, each of these men, Joshua, Elisha, Stephen, as each of these men humbled themselves and 
edified the people and was loyal to the man of God and were peacemaking and faithful and unified, then God developed them into servant leaders in the church. God developed them into leaders. Not something they sought for, not something that they aspired to be, but because they were willing to be faithful servants, helpful servants in the work of God, God used them that way. Back to our original statement. Anytime a person is placed in a position of performance, they have the potential to either help or hinder the process. Our process, the process of your church, my church, your pastor, my pastor, is to win souls, see them baptized, see them discipled, seeing them grow in the work of God. And may it be said of each of us, and may each of us ask ourselves, am I helping or hindering the process? I mean, really, that's what it's all about. It's not for me to stand back and say, is he helping or hindering the process? Brother so-and-so, I wish he'd do more or whatever. Are you helping or hindering the process? What, What are you doing? Thank you for listening to the Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on the Helpful Baptist Deacon with Brother Dave McCollum. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.